tell you, that's going to be a great day when the devil gets his due. Amen. All the, all the souls with that fellow's damned to hell. My goodness. Ephesians chapter 4 tonight, we started to study about spiritual growth. I want to pick this thing up and go with it. Ephesians chapter 4. Ephesians chapter 4. Appreciate you all coming back tonight. And I don't, I don't say that lightly. I mean it. I know you didn't have to, and uh, you could have stayed home. And uh, you could have watched it online, but I believe the Lord counts all that stuff. I believe He counts every mile. I believe He counts every gallon of gas that you use for Him. Amen. And I know many times it seems so trivial, so insignificant, but in the grand scope of eternity, I believe it means quite a bit. Let's pray. Father, we need your help tonight. And Father, we pray now that, Lord, you bless your word and you'd bless the word that's being preached all around this country by men who are still lifting up the old King James Bible. And Father, would you bless your word as it goes forth. And Father, would you strengthen us. Father, would you help us to grow up unto him, Lord, and help us to do the right thing. And Father, help us to be more like thee every single day. Draw us close in fellowship with thee today. In Jesus' name, amen. Ephesians chapter 4, look at verse uh, 15 here. This, of course, uh, being our key verse that we key off into the study that we're uh, engaged in here today about spiritual growth. Ephesians chapter 4 and verse 15, the Bible says, he says, But speaking the truth in love may grow up into him in all things, which is the head, even Christ. So uh, the, here's, the, here's the study. It's a spiritual growth. And you and I need to grow up into Jesus Christ. And spiritual growth is expected. Uh, spiritual growth is expected wherever the truth is present. Now listen, wherever the truth is not present, I believe growth is still expected, but you're expected to find a place where the truth is at. And uh, the Bible says over John chapter 16 that the Holy, uh, Holy Ghost shall lead you into all truth. And if you ever wonder why you've ever been in error before, it's because you followed the wrong spirit. So the Lord gives you a Bible. He's given you a Bible written in English. And last week we studied the first stage of spiritual growth, which is the babe stage. That's a babe in Christ. And look at 1 Corinthians chapter 3, verse 1. 1 Corinthians chapter 3, verse 1. There are seven stages of spiritual growth in your Bible. And you and I need to grow. We need to grow. It's, it's imperative that we grow. There's never a place in your Christian life where you should not be concerned about growing. Even Paul, in uh, the book of Philippians chapter 3, he says, For I have not apprehended. He said, I have not attained. But 1 Corinthians chapter 3, that means Paul was saying, Look, there's still, there's still some room for me to grow. Uh, 1 Corinthians chapter 3, verse 1. Paul says, And I, brethren, could not speak unto you as unto spiritual, but as unto carnal, even as unto babes in Christ. Babes in Christ. So last week we covered the baby stage. Amen? And those new converts that Paul wanted Jesus Christ, they're referred to as babes. And Paul says here that he had to speak a certain way to a babe. Right? So uh, on a more comical note, uh, physical aspect... Don't you speak to babies different than you do, say, your spouse? 
Don't you say interesting words like goo goo and gaga, right? You know, my favorite commercial, I've said it before, is that Dentine commercial. And that fellow, he leans over the crib and he goes, dad, 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 right? And the baby sticks up the pack of Dentine gum and the dad's looking like, what's your problem, right? But you speak the babes different and that's what Paul's saying. Look, I couldn't say what I wanted to say. I had to say a different thing here. And uh, there were certain things he wanted to say to these baby Christians, uh, but he couldn't. Why? They wouldn't get it. They weren't ready for it. They wouldn't understand it, right? And let's face it, if you say what needs to be said sometimes in the manner in which you're prone to say it, you're going to hurt a baby Christian. You will. You can't just in the spiritual stage that you're in sometimes, you, I'm not talking about compromising, I'm not talking about uh, not being honest with them, but sometimes you've got to hold that, hold that thought and you've got to filter it. Why? Baby Christians can't handle some things, right? You can't take a piece of steak and shove it down their throat and say, there you go. Uh, don't be so ungrateful. Chew it, you know, chew it up and eat it. But if you say what you need to say, sometimes it might hurt their feelings. And I know some Christians would disagree, but I don't give a rip. Look, Paul tells you right there he couldn't speak to them the way he wanted to, right? There's some things there. And, uh, but the understanding of a baby Christian, would you agree with me tonight, is limited, that understanding is limited. And a babe in Christ needs the milk of the word. We picked that up. Look at 1 Peter chapter 2. We're, just, we're not going to re-preach everything we did last week. I just want to give you the, the bouncing board and bounce on it and bounce off. 1 Peter chapter 2, verse 2. 1 Peter 2, 2. So the babe in Christ, uh, what does he eat? He eats the milk of the word. The Bible says, as newborn babes, all right, desire the sincere milk of the word that ye may grow thereby. So not only does that babe in Christ need milk to grow, but if you read the passage, a healthy baby desires milk. If you have a baby that doesn't want mother's milk, well, you've got a problem. You know, there's something developmentally wrong. It's sick. And uh, to encapsulate the babe in Christ, he simply needs the milk of the word. Uh, Back to our text in Ephesians 4.15, you don't have to turn there. Not only does he need the milk of the word, but he needs to hear the truth spoken in love, doesn't he? Now listen, some of you that may be more developed spiritually, you're able to decipher the truth whether it's in love or not. And as a rule of thumb, you're always, you're always best to speak the truth and the love, but sometimes if you can't get it the way you want it, man, take the truth, <laughs> right? Uh, no, matter how, no matter who delivers the message, right? But uh, that babe in Christ, he needs the milk of the word. He needs to hear the truth spoken in love. That's Ephesians 4.15. And that babe in Christ, he needs to learn how to rest. You know what a baby fights? Rest. Loves to eat. He's healthy, but he fights rest. You know what that babe in Christ needs? He needs to learn how to rest. Take your Bible and go to Matthew chapter 11. Matthew chapter 11, verse 28. Now, when you first get saved, it's easy for you to get all worked up about a number of things. And what you have to learn is you have to learn to rest in Jesus Christ. Matthew chapter 11. And the more you grow in the Lord Jesus Christ, you're going to realize that you have very limited control 
over anything. The only control that you find out over a period of time is you have is over yourself and your actions, and then it's a fight to be able to control your flesh, isn't it? Matthew chapter 11, verse 28, The Lord Jesus Christ says, Come unto me, all you that labor and are heavy laden, and I'll give you rest. You see that? Uh, turn back to Psalms 37. One more verse here on rest. Psalm 37, 7. That babe in Christ, he needs to drink the milk. He needs to desire the milk. He needs that, to have that truth spoken in love. And uh, you want to see a beautiful picture, you see a beautiful picture of a baby in the arms of its mother, and it's uh, nursing there, and that mother's holding and cuddling that baby. And that's a picture of speaking the truth and love there. And I look at Psalm 37, 7. And the other thing that babe needs to do is learn when to rest. Nothing more irritating than uh, being around a child that needs a nap. <laughs> Amen? Just, just irritable, just squalling and bawling. Amen? You ever try to listen to a message while the baby squalls and bawls? I preached on the street for years, but it's still somewhat of a distraction. We're a country church, so it's what it is. You know, kids, when we first came here, it seemed to me for a month of Sundays that it was just, you know, all the time, just kids just cutting up and no one would take their kids out and straighten them up because I don't think they really knew how. But, hey, you're in the country, you do what country folk do, and you endure until the end, the same shall be all right. You know what I mean? <laughs> Psalm 37, 7, look what the Bible says, rest in the Lord. You see that? You don't rest in your finances. You don't rest in your uh, career. You don't rest in your job. You don't rest in your spouse. You rest in the Lord. And as a babe in Christ, you need the milk of the word. You need the truth spoken in love. And you need to learn how to rest. Isn't it good just sometimes to take a nap? Amen. Sunday's about the only day I never felt guilty taking a nap. But ever since I... Late bloomer in the ministry, I don't get many nap, naps. I usually get like a 10 or 15 minute one before lunch, you know what I mean? And that thing is, I go right to the bottom, you know, like Jonah did. The bottoms of the mountains of the earth and my head's wrapped in weeds. And it's time for dinner, you got to pull me out, amen? <laughs> but you need to learn how to rest in the Lord. So that babe in Christ needs the milk. If he's going to grow right, he's got to desire the milk. And it goes like this, the more you eat, the more you desire to eat. You ever notice that? I'm not a physician's assistant or a nurse or doctor, but the body has a hormone called cortisol. How many are familiar with cortisol? And I'll try not to get this all messed up, but whenever you eat, cortisol is dumped into the bloodstream, and it's a, it's a little messenger, and it's saying, hey, don't forget to eat more. I know it does more of that. I'm simplifying it. But when you eat, cortisol is dumped in your bloodstream, and it tells you to eat more. That's why you can eat a big meal, and 15, 20 minutes later, you're hungry. Because your body's released this hormone, and that helps you live. <laughs> it's healthy. And, uh, but when you fail to eat, you know what? That cortisol will not activate in your bloodstream. So while that's a physical illustration, the spiritual application is the same. The more you eat spiritually, the more you will desire to eat. You ever just wonder why some days you don't desire the book? Could it be that you just haven't read it in a while? Some weeks, you're just like, I don't want to pick up the book. I don't know. And two things, book the book in prayer. Is it be a lack of spiritual cortisol in your spiritual bloodstream? That thing works like this. The more you eat it, the more you desire it. Uh, but when you stop eating spiritual, you'll stop desiring to eat. And eventually, spiritually, you can get sick. 
Saul, that babe needs the milk of the word, that babe needs the desire of the milk of the word, and that babe in Christ needs to get in the habit of resting in Jesus Christ. The best thing you can do is try to get your youngins in a habit of taking a nap, right? They have nap time in daycare. They have nap time in kindergarten. And when you're at work, you wish they had nap time. <laughs> Amen. All right, that's the baby stage. Let's grab number two. Here you have the second stage in the Christian life called little children. Look at 1 John chapter 2. 1 John chapter 2, the first stage is called babes. And the second stage, according to 1 John chapter 2, verse 1, is called little children. Little children. Jesus loves little children, all the little children of the world. Red, brown, yellow, black, and white, they're precious in his sight. 1 John 2, 1, the Bible says, My little children, these things write I unto you that you sin not. And if any man sin, we have an advocate with the Father, Jesus Christ the righteous. Now you have the second stage. I'm going to go ahead and give you the third stage, but only for reference. The third stage is simply called children. And you find that in Galatians chapter 3, 26. So you have two stages of spiritual growth that are pretty closely entwined. You've got little children and children. So we'll make some assumptions here and some surmisings here without correcting the Word of God and move on. But if you stop and think to that Jew, he was a child. Uh, He was a boy until he turned 12. So if we make some guesses based upon Leviticus chapter 27... I would put that little children stage uh, between uh, two to five years old. Little children between two to five, I'm guessing. And the stage of children, I'd put it between six to twelve. Six to twelve. Now, I might be off. I might be wrong. But it's just uh, just an application of the thing so you can get a picture in your head. Someone that's between the ages of two to five, they're little children. Someone between the age of six and twelve, they're still little, but they're, they're just children, Right? And the Bible has to say something about little children that you and I can learn from. First of all, uh, look at 2 Kings chapter 2. Let's look at some practical things here that we can learn from 2 Kings chapter 2. 2 Kings chapter 2, look at verse 23. Now, wherever you're at in your spiritual growth, you just want to strive to keep growing, keep going, keep growing and keep going. And you're going to find every stage that you're at is sustained, number one, by reading the book. By reading the book. Here the first stage, babes, was drinking the milk. Now here you find the older you get, you're still reading the book, but it's just a different application. All right? You get a little bit different food. Now 2 Kings chapter 2, verse 23, the Bible says, talking about Elisha the prophet, And he went up from thence unto Bethel, and as he was going up by the way, there came forth little children out of the city, and mocked him, and said unto him, Go up, thou bald head. Go up, thou bald head. So this is talking, like I said, about Elisha the prophet. Isn't that an interesting passage? A bunch of little children out there mocking the preacher, mocking the prophet. They should need to turn over their knee and give a good old hind-end whooping, amen. But you got a bunch of little children mocking the preacher, and this tells me that at this stage of little children, is where you, uh, these little children, they have to be taught the right estimation of spiritual things. Little children don't understand the right estimation of spiritual things. As a little child, I always sat in that front row right there. Or else I sat in the second row with my mom and my dad. Uh, When I was a little child, I sat between my parents, uh, unless I was in junior church or something like that. 
And if I got out of line, the old man, he'd just reach over and he'd grab my knee. And that's probably why I had to have knee replacement as a child, you know. He'd squeeze that knee so <laughs> I'm telling you, he'd squeeze that knee and I'd be in the third heaven, man. It was, it was like death on wheels. Man, tears come to your eyes so fast. And if I was sitting up here, it didn't get any better because if I started fidgeting around or, or fooling around, he'd just reach up there and do the old Vulcan neck grip, you know. And you just wish you were dead. You squeeze that shoulder, that muscle there. Man, that thing put a hurting on you. You say, wow, I didn't have the right estimation of spiritual things. I was a little child. I had to be taught. Had to learn. You know what little children have to learn? They have to learn to be quiet during the service, don't they? A little children have to be taught to uh, say yes, ma'am, and no, ma'am. You see what I'm saying, practical stuff. And here you've got a bunch of little children, and they're mocking the preacher. Why? They just don't have a right estimation of spiritual things. So one thing you can take, uh, you take and run with it is usually little children, they don't have the right estimation of spiritual things. So if you're a little bit more developed in the Lord, uh, don't be climbing all over the little children spiritually. Maybe have a little bit of grace with them. Maybe they haven't learned yet, right? Well, anyone who's not in the baby stage uh, is uh, someone that, uh, that is need to, is, needs to learn. And you have a bunch of little children mocking the preacher. And this tells me they're uh, at, the, at the stage. They don't have the right estimation of spiritual things. I don't know if you ever thought about it, but little children are mean by nature. They're mean. I remember walking to the bus stop. Uh, me and my sister walked to the bus stop when I was real young. And uh, had the, the neighbor kids down the road. Man, they were jerks. They were. They were mean. I had a bike one time. They took the, you know, you know on the BMX bike, she got the little... Uh, Oh, and you got styrofoam and, uh, on the handlebars there so you didn't break your teeth. And, well, they stole that thing one time, filled it with, you know, dog stuff. You know, they're just cruel kids, you know what I mean? I'd say their name, but they still live in town, so I won't say it. But anyways, kids, are, little children are mean by nature, and they call you mean names, don't they? You ever get in a fight with a little kid? They just say dumb things. <laughs> You're like, I'm not going to say yes or no. <laughs> But little children are mean by nature. You know what little children are? They're rotten. I'm telling you the truth. I'm, I'm telling you the truth. Little children are rotten. That's where the school system's got you all bamboozled. The school system says that your children are wonderful and they're gems and they're just just pristine individual. And, and uh, no, no, they're not. They're rotten. Unless you put something in them, they ain't got a chance. Unless my parents put something into me, I wouldn't be behind this pulpit. I'm not inherently good. I am inherently rotten. And uh, those little children have to be taught over and over and over. Look at Isaiah 28. You can see where this ties in, little children. Little children have to be taught repetitively. And if you're in that stage as a little child, then you're going to have to be repetitious in your learning about the scriptures. You're going to have to be repetitious in your learning about church services. And there's a lot of things you have to learn over and over to get the right estimation spiritually. You don't learn it all in one shot. All right, Isaiah 28, verse 9. Just like your parents didn't expect you to learn your ABCs in one night, they figured it'd take you at least a year. Amen? I must be boring tonight. You guys look like you're tired. I thought I was the one in the clouds. All right, verse 9. The Bible says, Whom shall he teach knowledge, and whom shall he make to understand doctrine? Them that are weaned from the milk and drawn from the breast. And we just talk about the babe stage. Okay, so that's where we're at. 
we're at that stage where we should be weaned from the milk and drawn from the breast, right? That's little children. I don't know when the little children stop nursing. I know in some foreign countries it's quite a while, but you'd think by, what, 18 months to two years, they ought to be done. They ought to be, they ought to be drawn from, what do they call that, weaned, right? Is that what it says? Weaned. Yeah, they're weaned, right? They should be off the breast by then. Well, now you can learn the Bible. Amen? That's what the Bible says. Now you can learn it. If you can learn doctrine. You can learn the Bible if you're weaned from the breast. Weaned from milk and drawn from the breast. But how are we going to learn it? Verse 10. This is how you learn it. Precept upon precept. Line upon line. Line upon line. Here a little. There a little. All right? So anyone who is not in the baby stage, uh, the passage says you have to be drawn from the breast. You have to be off the milk. So little children can can begin to learn doctrine, they can begin to learn spiritual things if they're off the milk of the word. So here's where little children begin to learn doctrine. They begin to learn about salvation, how somebody's saved. They begin to learn about justification. They begin to learn about propitiation and all that stuff, line upon line. Now look at Proverbs, Proverbs 25. What about their diet? Their diet's different now. They don't have the same diet when they're a babe in Christ. Now listen, the need and desire to eat should still be there, but the diet's going to start to change. The diet, the consumption, the timing, and the amount, it's all going to start to change. 25.11. Look at 25.11. The Bible says a word fitly spoken is like apples of gold and pictures of silver. So here you know this, if you've been here any amount of time. Here the Word of God is pictured as apples. You see it? Uh, apples of gold and pictures of silver. Ain't that something? Look at Matthew 4. Don't you give little children uh, two or three? Don't you uh, maybe cut off the peel, but don't you give them fruit slices? Don't you give them some soft apples? Don't you give them some applesauce? Apples of gold and pictures of silver. That's a word fitly spoken. That's a Word of God. You see how that thing is? Older you get, the diet begins to change, but it's the same book. The consistency changes. Matthew chapter 4, verse 4. The Bible says, But he answered and said, It is written, Man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceedeth out of the mouth of God. All right, you give little children fruit, fruit slices. You give little children some soft pieces of bread, don't you? I remember I was a kin in kindergarten here. Uh, Grandma Long used to make them tiny little bread loaves. Man, they're good. She'd bring them in all the time. I mean, they're about that big. And you just hold it in your hand like a little loaf of bread. Man, she'd bring them in all the time. And, uh, you know, I'd take two or three bites out of that thing, you know, take it home and all that stuff. But your diet changes. You start eating apples. You start eating bread. Uh, not only that, look at Psalm 119. Your diet's constantly changing the older you get. You're able to eat different foods. You're able to eat more. Uh, than you were when you were just a babe. Psalm 119, verse 103. You give children a little bit of fruit, applesauce, maybe apple slices. You know, like I said, you might have to uh, peel the rind off that thing. You might have to break it down a little bit so they don't choke, right? Uh, still cutting some teeth there. Uh, you give them maybe a little bit of honey on that bread, a little bit of butter. But look at Psalm 119, 103. How sweet are thy words unto my taste, yea, sweeter than what? Honey to my mouth. You see that honey, as you know it, honey's a picture of the Word of God. Your diet, that's your intake. The Word of God is like bread, it's like honey, it's like fruit, it's like apples. 
So here you have what? You just simply have examples of healthy, nutritious food that your mother would make and your mother would give you if you're a little child. And, well, little children, they can't yet discern spiritual things. They can't yet discern all the spirituality of things. Uh, they have a tendency to mock spiritual things. They have a tendency to mock spiritual men. Not always intentional, but sometimes it happens. That's why if someone says something that you might consider stupid, you might consider their spiritual development. You like slapping two-year-olds, do you? <laughs> right? You're so grown up in Jesus Christ. Here's some, uh, someone that might be your physical age, but maybe spiritually they're two years old. You like slapping two-year-olds? You see what I mean? They can't yet discern it all. Now listen, you think about most little children, their world still revolves around themselves, doesn't it? They're pretty selfish, pretty selfish. Most little children, uh, they're still throwing fits, aren't they? Mom and dad's still getting after them. Yeah, aren't they? Yeah. And uh, most little children, they're easily discouraged. All the wind goes, oh, you know, it's, oh, you know. You say something to them and they'll go, oh, I tell you what. It's the end of the world as we know it, you know. And uh, think about little children. Uh, if you scare them, you know, the, they still make messes. <laughs> they're easily scared, aren't they? You can scare the fire out of a little kid. You know, you can, you can discourage them real easy too if you're not careful. You see the types, you see the picture. Uh, if you have a child of God in this stage of spiritual growth, many times uh, they're irregular in their church attendance. You say, why? Well, little children don't necessarily know when to come to the table yet. You're going to chew out a two-year-old, are you? They say some of this preaching that I've heard over the years is it might be right in the sense that, yes, we need to attend church more and more as we see the day approaching, but some of it's just stupid. Why? Well, you're preaching to two-year-olds. They don't necessarily know it's time to get to the dinner table. And all of a sudden, they hear you yelling at them when they're at the dinner table eating. You see what I mean? They came. So why are we yelling about eating when they're here eating? That's discernment. A lot of times, people from the pulpits are the spiritual two-year-olds. Uh, why? Little children don't always know when it's time to eat. What if you ate a bunch of junk before it's time to eat? Do you always feel like eating a big old meal? That's one of the reasons I was almost 400 pounds. I worked for Schwann's everywhere I went. They offered me food. I figured if I ate it, it helped me get a bigger sale. No, it just made give me a bigger belly. <laughs> you walk into someone's house and they're grilling ribs. On, they got ribs on the grill. I'd say, man, I'm the best smelling ribs I ever smell. Oh, would you like some? Of course I would. Then you go to the next stop, and they made an apple pie. Oh, well, that's the best smelling apple pie I've ever smelled. Oh, would you like a piece? Well, sure I would. <laughs> next thing you know, you're 400 pounds. <laughs> Why? You ain't got no sense. But little children, they're easily scared. They don't know when to come to the dinner table. You got to go find them, don't you? Sometimes when it comes to young Christians, you got to go find them. Why? Oh, they won't come to the dinner table regularly. They're not there yet, right? He's still working on me. Is he still working on you? Now, look, you might have a friend or a family member who helps remind you to come to the dinner table like I did. I had parents that told me when to go to the dinner table, and I'm thankful for it. But you might not have that. You might be left to your own devices. <laughs> I often think if I wouldn't have had parents that... Uh, that told me when to get up and when to go to church. 
I don't. Th- I, there's no way I'd be in the pulpit. No way. There'd be no way I'd be serving the Lord. Why? I know me. There's a lazy streak inside of me a mile long. I'd rather throw everything under the bed than make the bed. Amen? I'd rather throw everything in a corner. Than, I'm, just, I'm just reverting back to my childhood. My mother's being quiet over there. But at the same point, I, there's just a lazy streak. and I know me. And so before you're critical of another uh, person that's young in the Lord, you've got to understand where they're at. They don't know when to come to the dinner table. They don't even know half the time when they need to eat. That thing is learned, line upon line, here a little and there a little. They don't think it's important. You know, some people think that a morning service is all they need. But you know, a lot of times those same Christians that think that, they're always on life support. Some people think all they need is to come once a quarter or to come just at the major holidays or something. But uh, how many, how many two-year-olds do you know that, that, that always know when it's time to come to the dinner table? How many three-year-olds do you know that uh, know how to tell time? There might be a couple, but you see what I'm saying? You see, you see the application? How many four-year-olds know how to get up in the morning, shower, brush their teeth, wash your hands, and then all before coming down for breakfast. If you can get your four-year-old to come down with all the right clothes on, amen? Why? They'll stay up there and play until you touch. Why? Little children like to play, don't they? Amen. Good practical stuff this evening. And you see the stage of little children, you know what it is? It's just developmental. It's developmental. You and I need to be developing for the Lord Jesus Christ. Look at 1 John chapter 2, verse 1. I hope this is not too practical, but I hope it just kind of helps reveal kind of where some of us are at. And there's no, there's no shame in identifying where you're at in the Lord. The question is, is are you growing? And if the answer is yes, then praise God. 1 John chapter 2, verse 1. The Bible says, My little children, these things write I unto you, that ye sin not, and if any man sin... We have an advocate with the Father, Jesus Christ the righteous. All right, you know what I can learn practically from this verse about little children? Little children often have a problem with doing right. They do. Little children, if they're going to do wrong, they'll go behind a barn to do it. (laughs) Little children, if they're going to do something wrong, it gets really quiet. You know, they're raising Cain, and you're like, oh, they're great. All of a sudden it gets quiet. You're like, oh, you know. They're sticking a knife in the light socket or something, you know. (laughs) They're burning the house down. (laughs) So John says here, here you go, when you sin, little children, you need to know that you have an advocate with the Father, Jesus Christ the righteous, and an advocate is someone that's on your side. That's a blessing. Why? Because when little children get in trouble, they think it's the end of the world. And John's like, look, you have someone that's on your side when you sin. Now, no, that look at uh, verse 18, same chapter. Verse 18, same chapter. He says, little children, it is the last time. And as, uh, and as ye have heard, the Antichrist shall come. Even now are there many Antichrists, whereby we know that it is the last time. You know, I said this earlier in a practical application. Little children need to be told what time it is. Hey, it's time to be quiet, right? You told your kids that before? Hey, quiet. All right, now, speak up. You speak when you're spoken to, right? Someone says hello, you say hello back. Someone, uh, uh, you know, uh, an adult speaks, it's just ma'am or yes sir, or no ma'am or no sir, and other yeah stuff. Amen. 
but children need to be told what time it is. And here John says it's the last time. These are the last days. You know what I see in this passage? Little children spiritually, they, can't, they have a hard time identifying the times. Uh, they're not developed enough, so you've got to tell them. You have to let them know. It's we're in the last times, we're at the last days. Not only that, but here in the verse you have to tell little children that there are antichrists out there. There are individuals that are against Christ. They are antichrist. And you've got to be aware of them. You've got to watch out for them. Because a lot of times these antichrists, they come as uh, wolves in sheep clothing. And you see some young Christian getting wrapped up with somebody, take them aside and warn them. Say, hey, that, look, I know it's a free country. You can do whatever you want, but uh, there's some heartburn connected with that stuff. You see someone getting uh, mixed up with the Knights of Columbus, no, that's the Pope's army. You say, I don't like that. I don't care. That's history. Pope can call that army up just like that if he wants. Read history. Read history. Read history. Well, it's, you know, it's just a nice piece. Okay, help yourself. I wouldn't be connected to the Pope if you paid me to. All right, it's, uh, there are many antichrists, verse 18, whereby we know that it is the last time. You have to let the little children know that the worse, the further we get to going home, the worse it's going to get. It's not going to get better. You see, if you think that it's going to get better as we move along, you're just a little child. You see that? It's not going to get better. Because the further we go into getting out of here, more antichrists show up. I know you know this, all right? All right, and little children don't understand that yet. They have to be told. They have to be shown. Don't, don't you remember as a mom or a dad or a grandma or a big sister or a big brother or something like that, having to explain something over and over and over? This is how you hang your pants up. This is how you fold a sheet. Remember being, I, I probably showed a hundred times how to fold a fitted sheet. I still can't do it right at 47. <laughs> I think someone was on crack when they made a fitted sheet. <laughs> Amen? It doesn't matter. All right, look at uh, verse 28, 1 John chapter 2. We're learning about little children, that stage of growth spiritually. He says, and now little children abide in him, that when he shall appear we may have confidence not be ashamed before him at his coming. Here in this passage, little children spirits, you know what I see? Uh, people that are young in the Lord, they lack confidence. They lack confidence in what they do for Jesus Christ. They just lack confidence. They're always second-guessing themselves. Uh, they lack confidence. They need to be told where to stand. Remember being a little kid going to school, and they say, all right, stand in a line. Stand in a line. That's not a line. That's a circle. <laughs> Stand in a line. <laughs> you give them a point. Uh, and children don't know where to stand. Many times children don't know how to stand. They'll hop on one foot. They'll jump up and down. They'll sit on the floor. And you'll spend five minutes trying to get them to stand in a straight line. Why? They're little children. They have to be told where to stand, how to stand, and how to have confidence. Look at 1 John chapter 3. I'll give you another one here. 1 John chapter 3, verse 7. Little children. All right, the Apostle John says, Little children, let no man deceive you. He that doeth righteousness is righteous, even as he is righteous. So real simple from this passage, little children are easily deceived, aren't they? From a practical standpoint, you could tell your two-year-old that you hung the moon, and they'd be like, oh, Daddy hung the moon, <laughs> right? I remember telling my sister a while back, uh, I wrote a certain song, and she heard it on the radio, and said, look, they're playing your song <laughs> that you wrote. And I'm like, yeah, that's right. <laughs> Say, <laughs> so what'd you do? Full of baloney is what it was. 
but they're easily deceived. So the Apostle John says, hey, let no man deceive you. And when the devil wants to infiltrate any nation, you know how he does it? He goes right through the federal school system. He goes right through the little children. And it starts at your elementary schools. Why? Because children, little children are innocent. Little children are pure. And the devil glories, glories in defiling and destroying and debasing innocent, pure little children. If you're in the little stage of little children's growth, you're precious in the sight of Jesus Christ. And that's what, look at Matthew 18. I'll show it to you. I'll prove it to you. Matthew chapter 18. If you're in that stage of little children right now, the Lord puts a, he puts a real high precedent on you where you're at, physically and spiritually. Matthew 18. These people out here that mess with kids, they ought to be hung. I mean, they ought to be taken to the town square and hung up and strung up. I mean, with a stinking rope, 13 loops, and stretched to the neck till dead. Now look at me. Amen. Vote for me, right? Matthew 18, 6. <laughs> but whoso shall offend one of these little ones, which believe in me, will put them in Washington, D.C. No, that's not what it says. <laughs> But who shall offend one of these little ones which believe in me? It were better for him that a millstone were hanged about his neck and that he were drowned in the depth of the sea. You see that? That is the ultimatum of Jesus Christ our Lord. We're talking about children. The Lord says, you mess with one of these little ones, it's better for you to be thrown overboard in the deepest sea down in the Mariana Trench with a thousand pound millstone wrapped around your cotton picking head let you sink to the bottom, let all the fish and all the ghouly monsters pick your bones, slap clean. Amen, amen. Ain't the Lord said, that'd be a good thing. <laughs> and that's how much the Lord thinks about little children, not only physically, but spiritually. I'd hate to be the cause to cause a, someone who's in the spiritual stage of little children spiritually to err. I think the Lord would put a whooping on me that Ajax wouldn't take off. You couldn't get it off a of borax, man. I'm telling you. But yet the public school system is where wickedness reigns. It is. Never ceases to amaze me the number of queers, sodomites, and sex perverts that hang around the public school system. Uh, my daughter worked for a cleaning company, and uh, I'm telling you what, 70 to 60 to 70 percent of them were queers. I mean, just debased, vile, wicked sex perverts. Why? Because innocency is attracted. That wickedness attracts that wickedness. And uh, it's because of the purity and innocence of those little children. And it's very, uh, you know, I say all that uh, to say that little children are easily deceived. And look, when you're in a, a society like you're in now, they can't reproduce the queer, so they got a, they got a, what's the word I'm looking for? Uh, they got a, you can't reproduce with two males. So you got to get other people to get as wicked as you are. I'm looking for a word and it lost me. That's fine. Thank you. You got to recruit them. That's what it is. And that's, what that, that's why all that stuff is there. That's why you got teachers that are perverts. Amen? That's why you got the highest level of perverts in these federal school systems because they're recruiters for the devil. Why? Innocency. Little children are easily deceived. And it's very easy for them to be deceived. Don't you constantly warn your kids and grandkids, don't get in the car of a stranger or you'll end up on a milk carton? 
They didn't have milk cartons anymore, did they? <laughs> Remember that? You used to have, you know, pictures of kids on milk cartons. You know, you're just looking at it every morning, breakfast table, hoping you're not on it. You know, don't get in the car of a stranger. Don't take candy from strangers. I know this is dating a little bit, but now what you're told, don't talk to strangers. Right? You know, don't talk to people on the Internet, and now we order food from strangers that delivered to you from strangers. <laughs> Whatever. We're so stupid. We wonder why people get shot and killed and hung up and all that. And little children are easy. Let me show you another thing. Look at verse 18. The straight Bible. Straight Bible. Little children, easily deceived. Look at verse 18, 1 John 3, 18. Uh, the Apostle John says, My little children, let us not love in word, neither in tongue, but in deed and in truth. So here in that stage of little children, little children need to be taught how to love. They need to be taught how to love. You ever notice some kids when they're raised to be bullies? You know what's wrong? They weren't taught how to love. I was taught how to love. <laughs> I was taught how to give a hug. Amen? I'm not saying I've never, not, I've never been a bully. I'm just saying I was taught how to love. Something, but you got to be taught that. It don't come naturally. Uh, that little child needs guidance on how to place affection. How to place affection. And John teaches his converts one at a time how to love. He said, let us not love in word, neither in tongue, but in deed and in truth. So that little child, little children, has to learn how to love. He's got to learn the best way to love is not by saying it, but by showing it. By showing it. And you have to teach that. It doesn't come naturally. Uh, why? Well, little children naturally love themselves. <laughs> so you have to teach them to place that affection off themselves and show it to somebody else. I look at 1 John chapter 4. You, they have to be taught how to love one another. 1 John 4, 4. See, little children, and you're going to find this next stage, it's all developmental. It's all about learning a lot of building block things in the Christian life. 1 John 4, 4. The Bible says, the Apostle John says, Ye are of God, little children, have overcome them, because greater is he that is in you than he that is in the world. Here's another thing about little children. Let me just uh, give you about a 30,000 foot level. They, they're going to struggle. They're going to need help with eternal security. Little children, uh, uh, people that are young in the Lord, often need help with eternal security. Most little children don't understand the protection they have. They don't understand that their daddy's their hero. They believe it, but they'll still get scared every once in a while. Little children still get scared, uh, even though when dad's with them, they know nothing's going to help them, uh, nothing's going to hurt them. They still get scared when the lights go off. You see what I mean? Why? They're just little children. And you, you know, slam on the brakes in the car. <gasps> you get scared, don't they? They don't realize that they have the protection from their heavenly father. You know, they have to be taught that salvation is a no-so. Look at 1 John 5. They just need help with eternal security. And what a great way to learn it than when you're young in the Lord. 1 John 5.13. Most Christians in this little children's stage will at some point in time struggle with eternal security. Look at 1 John 5.13. Why? They don't necessarily realize that salvation is a fact. 
It's a no-so. Sometimes little children confuse salvation with a feeling. The Bible says in 1 John 5, 13, These things have I written unto you that believe on the name of the Son of God, that ye may know that ye have eternal life. That's one of my favorite verses in the Bible. That ye may know. You say, why? Because a lot of times I get up in the morning, sometimes I'll go through the end of the day, and I don't feel saved, but I know I'm saved. Why? Because that book said so. And you learn that as a little child. Learn as a little child. Uh, you know what? Children have to be taught. They have to be taught that if the Apostle Paul could know who he believed in and was persuaded of his salvation, you can be too. Look at 2 Timothy 1. 2 Timothy 1. These things are building blocks, like those little building blocks that you threw at your brothers and sisters. These verses are building blocks to your salvation. 2 Timothy chapter 1, verse 12. You take these one verse at a time, here a little and there a little. If you're struggling with your salvation, with your eternal security, I'd write these down. 2 Timothy 1.12. All right, Paul says, For the which cause I also suffer these things. Nevertheless, I'm not ashamed, for I know whom I have believed, and am persuaded that he is able to keep that which I have committed unto him, Against that day. See, little children have to be taught that. They have to be taught that they can have confidence. And you know, you run into a lot of Christians on the street, and I believe they're saved. I really do. But you know what they don't have? They just don't have confidence in the salvation that they have. You know what that proves? Not that they're stupid, that they're just in that little children's stage and they need to be taught. I understand some people will never learn even if you do teach them, but I'm not talking about that. I'm talking about a majority of Christians who are still in that little children's stage and don't understand, and they fear about eternal security. That's a terrible thing. Uh, Look at Philippians chapter 1. You see, little children have to be taught how to have confidence. Now, don't mistake confidence for cockiness, amen? There's a difference. Cockiness is uh, your own thought about your achievements. But confidence is something that you have in what God did. Philippians 1.6. Little children have to be taught to have confidence about their salvation. And when you listen to the Apostle Paul talk about his salvation, he, he was definitely confident. Philippians 1, 6, the Bible says, Being confident of this very thing, that he which hath begun a good work, and you will perform it until the day of Jesus Christ. You see that? Our little children have to be taught how to have confidence. And we talk, we talk about the Bible and having confidence in the Bible, but you have to be taught that too. Because this world will teach you to have confidence in all the wrong things. And it's the job of a preacher to try to teach you to have confidence in the right thing like the Lord Jesus Christ, your salvation, your heavenly home, and the King James Bible. Amen? Look, if you put confidence in me, I can promise you this, eventually I will let you down. If you put your faith and trust in me, I will eventually make you angry. Why? I'm human. I'm just a man. But if you put your faith and confidence in the Lord Jesus Christ, he will never let you down. That's why it's important not to put me in the wrong place. I know my place as a preacher. I understand that I can be held to a higher standard because I'm the one delivering the message from the Lord. I understand that. But you have to put your confidence in Jesus Christ. So when you serve the Lord, you also have to remember, uh, Christian, that you're serving the Lord. You're not serving me. This is not my church. I did not die for the flock. 
He said, feed the flock of God, which he had purchased with his own blood. We all have a spot here. We all have a place and a position here. And you're, what you have to do is learn to have confidence in your salvation and the right things. Look at Colossians chapter 2 real quick here. You know, also little children have to be taught. They have to be taught that they are complete in Jesus Christ when they get saved. See, a lot of times people get saved and they never get taught anything. They never go to a Bible-believing church. They never, they never get uh, rooted and grounded in the Word of God. So then they think that they, they know they did something, but then they think there's something else that's missing when it comes to their salvation. But look, if you've trusted in Jesus Christ as your Savior, that's all you need for salvation. Look at Colossians chapter 2, verse 10. The Bible says, And ye are complete in Him. That's a great verse which is the head of all principality and power. You realize if you're here today and you're saved, you are complete in Jesus Christ. There's nothing more you need to get to heaven when you die. Now, as far as your spiritual growth, you should always be attaining. You should always be stretching. You should always be growing. You should never be happy with where you're at spiritually. But as far as salvation, the moment you trusted Him, you became complete in Him. I love the song the Vanderveens sing, Complete in Thee. Oh, blessed thought. That's a great song. Not only that, look at Colossians chapter 1, verse 27. We're just showing you things about little children. A spiritual stage in the Bible. Colossians 1, 27. Little children have to be taught that at the moment they trust Jesus Christ as their Savior, that Jesus Christ immediately comes to live inside of the body of that believer forever. Colossians 1, 27. It says, to whom God would make known what is the riches of the glory of this mystery among the Gentiles, which is Christ in you, the hope of glory. You see that? The moment you got saved, uh, Jesus Christ himself said, uh, hello, how are you? I'm moving in. I'm taking up permanent residency. And what, since you're there, you need to understand, look at Hebrews 13, 5. They tie hand in hand. But little children in the Lord have to be taught this stuff. Because there's so much misinformation out there, there's so much error out there, there's so much falsehood out there. Not only did Jesus Christ come in to stay forever, but Hebrews chapter 13 verse 5, the Bible says, Let your conversation be without covetousness, and be content with such things as you have. That's another message for another day. For he hath said, I will never leave thee, nor forsake thee. So he moves in, He's the president, he's the resident, he's the boarder, he's the boss, and he's never moving out. Isn't that a blessing? But you know what? You have to be taught that. <laughs> That's a great thing to learn, ain't it? If we could just get that settled this week, I think we'd have a little bit more joy in our journey, wouldn't we? You ever notice how little children are carefree? They really are. You know, they could get in trouble and have to stand in the corner and put their nose in a circle on a chalkboard, and you give them five minutes, they're good. You know, they fight like cats and dogs with their brothers and sisters. Ten minutes later, they're having a good time playing. You need to be like that. And little children are not bad. <laughs> well, we've got to find an exit to this place here. Look at 1 John chapter 5. 1 John chapter 5, talking about that spiritual stage of growth called little children. Just making some spiritual applications, some physical applications. Notice what he says here. Another thing about little children. Uh, little children have a real problem with idols. Idols. 
1 John 5, 21, little children, keep yourselves from idols. Now, I'll give you some things here. I'm not going to take time to look them up. But uh, in Revelation 2, 14, idols can cause you to commit fornication. I'll say it again. Revelation 2, 14, idols can cause you to commit fornication. In Acts chapter 15, verse 29, idols can ruin your testimony. Idols can ruin your testimony. That's Acts 15, 29. How about this one? Isaiah 2, 20. You know what idols do? They waste your money. <laughs> Ain't that true? Some people got a garage full of stinking idols. They're <laughs> never going to use them, man. <laughs> and then when they die, here, you know, take up my idol collection and become somebody else's. <laughs> All right. That is waste your money. How about this one? Uh, Ezekiel 14, 4. Idols can be found as close as in your heart. Ezekiel 14, 4, the Bible says idols can be found as close as in your heart. You know what this in 2 Kings 21, 21, 2 Kings 21, 21, idols can be served. If you've got an idol, you might just be serving it. Ain't that something? Let me give you this one. In 1 Kings 21, 26, idols are something that you follow after. Idols are something that you can follow after. Isn't it interesting on social media, it's interesting how many followers you got. Now, I'm not saying they are, but maybe, maybe some of them uh, icons or people, or pay, maybe they're your idols. I don't know. You know. The old saying is, you're my idol and I don't mean Billy, right? <laughs> some of you all get that if you're born in the 80s. Uh, idols can be followed. Uh, in the Bible, they can be found under a tree. Uh, in America, they can be found in the backyard, in the front yard. They can be found in your garage, in your home. They can be found in your church house, and they can be found in your back pocket. Now, an idol is anything that's set up to receive worship or attention over Jesus Christ. That's it. And there's a very peculiar thing found in the book of Deuteronomy. I believe it's around chapter 32. Why that thing is so dangerous? Because when you put love and affection over something, over Jesus Christ, what happens is... There's a demonic entity that rises up behind that idol to receive the worship that you're giving it. That's Deuteronomy chapter 32. And a lot of times the things that we love, the things that we caress, the things that we adore, the things we spend the most time with, there's a demonic entity connected with that thing receiving the worship, the time, and the attention that we're giving it. So John says in 1 John 5, 21, little children, keep yourselves from idols. Why? Because little children have trouble with idols. Trouble with idols. They have a problem with idols. And finally, when it comes to little children, they've got a long way to go. <laughs> so those of you who had children, they're two and three, you're like, my goodness, I ain't never going to grow up. You ever thought that? I can't imagine what my parents thought about me. I'm like, good night. We'll just file bankruptcy and shoot ourselves or something. But look at Galatians 4.19. Uh, little children have a long way to go. You've got to have patience with little children. You do. Why? Little children make you go slap crazy sometimes. Uh, I've told you before, I'd come home from being on the ice cream route, my wife would be about half out of her mind just being home with the kids all day. And uh, she's a good mother. She'd done a great job and kept the home and all that stuff. But still, she'd about, by the time you get home, you know, keep that gal in the house. She needs to leave for about a week or something, go on vacation. Look at Galatians 4.19. I want you to see this application. Paul says, My little children, of whom I travail in birth again, until Christ be formed in you. So here, the child of God is saved. Amen? 
But the Apostle Paul is travailing in birth again until Christ be formed in the life of the believer. Isn't that right, parents? You had the baby. It was a pain. But you had the kid. And now you've got to raise the kid. And it's a pain all over again. All right? That's what Paul's saying. My little children, of whom I travail in birth again. Why? Because he's trying to form Jesus Christ on the outside. Look, Christ is already on the inside of every believer. Amen? But now it's a process to form Jesus Christ on the outside. And that you do that, uh, Philippians, I can't remember the verse now. Someone uh, hit me later with it. But you work that which is inside to the outside, and that is a process. And Paul likens that process to to travailing in birth, having a kid, having a child. My goodness. And he's dealing with the birth pains all over again, the worries, the concerns, the cares. Care when your kid gets sick. The worries when they get older and they start making crazy decisions. The sicknesses in their life, the fevers, the aches, and the pains of Christ being formed in the life of the believer. And that's the second stage of growth, little children. So how do you get past the stage of little children? Well, it's not definite in the scripture, but we can draw some real quick conclusions and be done. First of all, when you get up to the dinner table, eat your dinner. Amen? Remember, little children don't always remember to know when it's time to eat. But listen, when it's time for dinner and you get up to the table, go ahead and clean your plate. Go ahead and eat. Amen? Keep eating the apples of gold and pictures of silver. Keep putting the honey on the bread. Bible says in Psalm 34, 8, Oh, taste and see that the Lord is good. Sometimes you never know how hungry you are until you haven't eaten in a while, and then things taste really good. Remember some of the hardest days the boys and I worked building some steel buildings, and she'd bring us dinner. Man, it tasted so good. We'd work so hard. And nothing, nothing seems to taste just like when you just have an empty belly all day long. Amen. So when you get to the table, eat. Stop throwing your food on the floor, amen? Right? Fair application? Quit throwing it away. Quit complaining about it. Just eat the food. Why? It'll help you. Stop throwing temper tantrums, amen? All right, number one, when you get to the dinner table, eat your dinner. How about number two? Learn to start picking up the spoon and putting food into your mouth by yourself. That's little children, two to five. Start feeding yourself a little bit of finger food, right? Just one bite at a time. Here a little. and Is that okay to make that application? Just one bite at a time. One verse at a time. Here a little and there a little. Line upon line. And finally, number three, in the mindset of a little child, can I tell you this? Enjoy every day. Enjoy every minute. Enjoy every week. Enjoy every smile. Enjoy every birthday. How about this? As a little child in the Lord, enjoy the simplicity of your salvation. You are truly living your best life now if you're in that stage. Enjoy the purity and innocence of being a little child. I remember when the Lord began to work with me and I went over to Lupton. I began to actually open my eyes spiritually and look around me. I looked at all those people in that church house. You know, I thought, I thought they were all angels. I really did. You say, why? Because I was just a little child spiritually. And I find out later some of them angels had horns, amen. But that little stage, I just, I loved everybody. I thought they loved me. 
I didn't think anybody was sneaking out and messing around with anybody. I didn't think anybody was talking bad about the preacher. I didn't think anybody was trying to split the church. I could have cared less. I was just in love with the Lord. I was in love with the church and in love with Jesus Christ. And I'm just saying, if you're at that stage, enjoy every minute of it. Amen. Uh, let me give you this verse, and we'll uh, two verses, and we're done. I mean, uh, Ecclesiastes chapter twelve. You need to enjoy, enjoy where you're at. The thing about being young is you always want to be older than you are, don't you? When you're young, you want to be old enough to drive. When you're not old enough to drive, Amen. When you're old enough to drive, you want your own car, but you can't afford your own car yet. And when you're able to afford your car, you want to move out of the house, but you ain't got money to move out of the house. <laughs> You always want to be older than you are. And you know what happens? You end up not being able to enjoy where you're at. Ecclesiastes 12.1. Look what Solomon, the wisest man in the world, said. Remember now the, thy creator in the days of thy youth, while the evil days come not, nor the years draw nigh. Listen, if you're physically young, man, you're living the best life you have right now. Man, it's the best you could ever get right now. And if you're in that stage of spiritual growth with little children, man, just, just remember the Lord in all you do. It's a great place to be. I want to show you one thing. I want to, I want to show you this last passage here, Matthew chapter 18. You've got to remember that the Lord puts a premium on little children. Matthew chapter 18, look at verse 3. One thing about this stage right here spiritually of little children as little children have got it down when it comes to faith. They've got it down when it comes to faith. They don't have much down. They can't tell time. Amen. They ain't got enough sense to come to the table. They ain't got enough sense to come out of the rain. But they got, they got the right kind of faith and they got the right kind of belief. Look what the Lord says, Matthew 18, 3, and said, Very last saying to except ye be converted and become as, you see that? Little children. Ye shall not enter into the kingdom of heaven. And that blessing? So when it comes to faith, when it comes to belief, the little children got it down. You are to become as a little child in your faith. That is why you get the reference to childlike faith. And you got to hang on to that. The Lord is pleased with that type of faith. A lot of times what happens is we get too big for our britches. We become old in the Lord, the age of the final stage, and we no longer have childlike faith. And the Lord, we have a difficult time pleasing the Lord because we're... We're stuck in our aged stage. <laughs> so the Lord's pleased with that type of faith, and that gets the Lord's attention. So as we close tonight, you've got, number one, the stage of being a babe in Christ. That's 1 Corinthians 3.1, and the stage called Little Children in 1 John chapter 2. And next week, we'll pick up the stage called Children, found in Galatians chapter 3. All right, would you stand? Spiritual growth. I challenge you this week to ask the Lord to help grow you. He told the Corinthians, and I think it's 1 Corinthians chapter 4, be also enlarged. Sometimes you don't think you can grow in your Christian life, but you can keep going. You can keep growing. Dad, would you close us in a word of prayer?